Guys, it's that time of the week again. It's time for a new episode of Girlfriend Material, your gay to Z of all things LGBTQ+. I'm Rosie, I'm here, I'm queer, and I'm in your ears to bring you another jam-packed, exciting episode. So sit back, strap in, pun intended. We're going to have a good time. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Girlfriend Material. Today I'm joined by the amazing B Illustrates, a queer artist and illustrator that I'm super excited to chat to. B, how is your week going so far? Uh, to be honest, hello firstly. Um, my week has been <laughs> full of up and downs. I have been just got back from holiday which was like amazing and then got struck down by Covid which was not ideal but I am very much on the mend now. You've but you've like bought yourself up and you're like let's let's get better for girlfriend material. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I was like? Come hell or high water, I'm recovering to be on this podcast. <laughs> I refuse to reschedule. That is queer commitment at its finest. I will say. <laughs> Some would say stubbornness, but we'll go with that. <laughs> Did you engage in the football at the weekend when you were sick? Did you watch that? Oh, I was actually, I was so upset because I went to a couple of the games, um, like the Barclays Women's Super League earlier in the year with my stepdad. So I was, I was more invested in the players than I've ever been for any football match. And I was so sick that I couldn't look at any screens, but I could oh. hear from my bedroom window people cheering. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> knew that stuff was going on. Um, but yeah, I did not partake as much as I would have liked to. Did you? I did. I w- we went over to a friend's and um, they put on like a really lovely breakfast spread and it was all, it's really amazing. It's like a queer couple and they have um, a coffee shop in West London. So um, she's really into like making cappuccinos and little cups of tea for everyone. So I was like in my element, but oh, the mood when we lost, like it was just oh. a group of like queer people who were really, really sad. Just like, like people were just like, I've got to go now. I've got to leave. I can't Not be taking to it anymore. Your sorrows. Oh no. <laughs> well, Charlie and um, her friend, like Nat, like she was like, "Do you just want a beer?" And it was like, I don't know, midday. And she was like, "Absolutely, I need to. I need to like have a beer." <laughs> she bought out. Um, it was really funny. She bought out like these um, cans of like cola and stuff, and they had CBD in. And she was just like, "Does anybody want any CBD to calm down?" Like midway through the game, oh my <laughs> like the tensions are so high. There was so much shouting. Oh, so bless. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was a good game. I'm not really like massively into football, but I did get a bit more into it. I have, I do have a bit of a crush on Mary Earps, the goalkeeper. Oh, I, I read about her. I've, I've seen, I've seen discourse about her on the internet being fabulous, but um, I actually couldn't name any of the players. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, but then I started googling them, and I was like, mm, uh, yeah, yeah, you always get, do the googling match. <laughs> So it was me when I was watching it, like in the stadium, I was like, who's that player? Is she yeah. single? <laughs> yeah. Are they queer? <laughs> yeah. So funny. Well, um, I'm super excited that you're obviously on the podcast and um, yeah, thank you for, for bringing yourself up to uh, to come and record with us. Um, so obviously this episode is going to be all about, you know, non-binary pronouns and obviously, you know, your artwork. So if people don't know much about you, can you kind of introduce yourself and give a little bio to B? Oh, yes, of course. Um, well, firstly, thank you for having me. I've been, I've been so excited to come on. Um, and I guess I would start by saying, well, hello, my name is B. Um, I am a queer illustrator, curator and just general creative. Um, I have been living in London for maybe two or three years now. Um, and I graduated from the University of Edinburgh. Um, I did a degree in illustration there, but I did different bits of like queer studies, social anthropology, bits and pieces like that. And I mostly make kind of illustrations about my own experiences with mental health with kind of figuring out who I am as a person and kind of navigating my own identity um and I do lots of exciting work for really cool clients which I always love to do um I also co-founded and co-curate a yearly exhibition for charity um, called Hysterical so it platforms subversive art by women and people of marginalized genders um and we raise money for LGBTQ charities in the process I think that's everything I do. I think that's me. <laughs> you are busy, but we, you're a busy bee. I bet you get that. Famously. Do you get that a lot? <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> but it's, it's true. 
Yeah. Well, your artwork is just gorgeous. Like I was looking at some of your reels like this morning and your um your window art for the high street shop typo, like the the pull down um I don't know what you call them because I'm I'm not, oh, I'm not an artist. So but like the stencils, you know, you'd like you'd done a window display and then they kind of peeled it off and revealed it. I wish it was stencils. No, so those were just like by guideline kind of pieces of paper. They weren't actually transferring it on. So I had to hand draw that thing. Oh um, that my god, window. wow. My arm was really sore afterwards. (laughs) It was like three and a half days of just being up a ladder. Um, But thank you. Yeah, that was a really fun one this year. Yeah, it it looks gorgeous. It's really, really lovely. Um, So getting to the topic at hand then, your pronouns are they, them. That's right. They are. Yeah. So why do you think that it's important to you to identify as non-binary then and why does that make you feel more comfortable than other pronouns um it's quite an interest that's a good question and one that I actually don't get asked that often um which is kind of weird because I feel like it's something that people would want to know um for me I've, I've just always not quite felt fully aligned with femininity or masculinity I feel like I've always been too much of one thing or too little of another and I just kind of never never aligned with either kind of binary gender and I don't know I I've always kind of felt just a bit outside of that kind of flipping from one to the other and it wasn't really until I went to uni and kind of was stuck in lockdown I lived on my own at the time and I just spent a lot of time soul searching I think we all spent a lot of time soul searching but um you know just being on my own I realized how much of my life I was kind of performing for other people to make other people feel more comfortable or to fit into what I thought other people wanted me to be. And so much of that was kind of like performing this femininity that was expected of me and kind of, you know, having long blonde hair and doing my makeup in a way that would make me attractive to men because that's what I thought I had to do. Um, And I just stopped doing that during lockdown and I realised how much better I felt about myself and the kind of term non-binary didn't really come to me a lot of people do describe it as a light bulb moment but for me I actually Mm. I think I heard people refer to themselves as non-binary I'd heard of they them pronouns but where I'm from which was a really small kind of rural area it just wasn't a thing and I'd always heard the term and felt a bit uneasy and I kind of suppressed it for a long time it was only after this kind of enforced isolation soul searching period that I was like oh actually you know what that is a lot more comfortable for me and yeah I just started expressing myself a lot more externally in alignment with the way I felt inside um but it is still very much a process I'm still figuring it out mm, absolutely but uh, and how do you feel you know I guess there's a lot of I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure but I guess you know if you get somebody's pronouns wrong for instance like how does that make you feel and like how do you respond if somebody doesn't get it right when they're talking to you I there's definitely a lot of pressure I I absolutely I think I completely see where that comes from because it is that fear of not wanting to nobody wants to offend anybody usually generally speaking um and I think I am inclined to give people a lot of grace when it comes to slipping up because I know that it doesn't necessarily come naturally to people immediately. It definitely didn't even come naturally to me for a long time. I misgendered myself for ages because I was like, this is so outside of what I've been told I have to be. But I, I think generally speaking, if if you kind of, if you approach people from a place of wanting, you know, to do right by them and you're not setting out to hurt people, I think people will generally be pretty understanding if you do get it wrong and say she or he instead of what they've asked you to call them. I think it's only... Once you've been corrected a couple of times and you continue to do it, then people might start might start getting a little bit upset about it. But um, it, it really varies so much from person to person. I think it's all about reading the room and yeah, just just trying to be a nice person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think like that is I think ultimately like people are always you know wanting to to do right and wanting to kind of use the right pronouns. Um, I guess I've just come across it quite a lot. And it's something that I talk about, you know, a lot with like my partner and, you know, like we slip up sometimes and we say things that we shouldn't. And I honestly feel like the worst like queer person in the world because I'm like, oh, my God, I, you know, I've, I've forgotten and I, and I haven't said the right thing. And um, it is difficult. I do feel like there is more pressure as well, because I feel like there's almost like a bit of a maybe between like content creators, like a bit of a sort of cancel culture and like 
I absolutely like never want to get it wrong for people yeah sometimes because I know I know as well like so many different people and so so many different people identify in different ways that sometimes genuinely I'm like oh 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 no (laughs) and it makes me feel awful it it can be so hard to keep track honestly it, it can be so hard to kind of remember what every single person I guess it's kind of the way I know not everyone agrees with this, but the way I kind of think of it is like remembering someone's name mm. um, and maybe getting it wrong and they correct you. And if you keep getting it wrong, you're, it's considered rude. Generally speaking, people can tell when you're coming from a place of ill intent and when you're coming from a place of wanting to learn. But yeah, no, I absolutely, especially I think social media, everything. I definitely also feel that pressure of not wanting to ever slip up because it's, it's a public, it's like a public stage, isn't it? And um, you never want to make a fool of yourself. I guess something... I have or something when before I came out as non-binary that I would remind myself is like the discomfort of me getting it wrong and then correcting myself and having to be like oh god sorry got your pronouns wrong I meant this that discomfort for me as the kind of person that's doing it is so much smaller than the discomfort that that person feels from having to correct me or having to having to complete continually reassert their identity in a world that doesn't want them to to necessarily express themselves. Yeah, I think that's such a good way to describe it. I really like as well what you said about the name because I think it is it is that, isn't it? It's somebody's identity and it's like you should be able to remember somebody's name. You should be able to remember somebody's pronouns because it's not going to be comfortable if every time, you know, I meet you, B, if I'm like, you know, hiya, Brenda. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, The first couple of times I'd be like, do you know what? It's probably an honest mistake. Yeah. By like time five after I've corrected you, I'd be like, I am not called Brenda. Yeah, please. exactly. Like, come on, <laughs> get your shit together. Yeah, that's that's the way I generally try and explain it to people. Um, I know not everybody who is non-binary feels the same way, but who, who feels the same way about anything ever? Um, but no, I find that that's quite a nice analogy of being like, it would be like me calling you the wrong name. <laughs> like it would hurt after a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my dad actually calls me the wrong name all the time now. Um, he actually calls me, he calls me Sue a lot because that's my mum's name. So he's like, <laughs> Sue, oh, sorry, Rosie. And I was like, what are you, like, you realise I've been on this planet for 30 years and you're my dad. And he's like, I'm really sorry, I just get you two confused. And I was like, how? One of them you're married oh, to. The other one is your daughter. Come on, Alan. Um, my mum does the same thing. She li- she'll go through both of my siblings' names before she gets to me. I'm like you've known me so much longer firstly yeah come on I should be at the top of the pile come on. exactly uh, yeah um so what are like some non-binary myths um do you have any like what you know what people kind of think like non-binary means and people believe that just like isn't true yes there are many I mean I think even even for me I think the first kind of image that is conjured in my head when someone says oh this non-binary person I usually imagine someone, and I am very well aware of the irony of me saying this while also playing into that stereotype, so it's not lost on me, but I think generally someone quite androgynous, maybe more femme presenting. You know, I, I think there's there's such a myth that all non-binary people look exactly the same and are, you know, this one kind of androgynous blob of, and that's what a non-binary person is. Um, there's so many ways to be and look non-binary. Well, I mean, there's there's no non-binary look. I think also a misconception is that all non-binary people use they, them pronouns. Some people use all the pronouns. Some people use, you know, different different kinds of pronouns or some people's kind of change day to day. Um, but generally they'll go by one kind of more ambiguous set. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there, there's kind of, there's no rules really. I think that the, the kind of prerequisite of being non-binary is that you exist outside of the binary but you don't even have to do that so I, I think yeah there, there's definitely a preconception of there is a type of non-binary person and that's mm. the only valid way to be non-binary but actually that you know you kind of make it up as you go along but I guess that's that's life yeah and when you say people use different pronouns and use multiple pronouns is that when you see in maybe somebody's Instagram bio they've used she slash they yeah, I mean, but even then, it could be that that person doesn't identify as non-binary. It's it's so individual to each person. I think there's there's no kind of blanket rule that fits everybody, which is obviously really confusing when you're trying to explain it to people who don't necessarily know that much um, about existing outside the binary. Um, but yeah, I, I think some people like using he, she, they. Some people, you know, don't mind at all 
Um, so yeah, I, people use multiple sets of pronouns. I, before I came out fully, you know, before I had kind of accepted that I was non-binary, I went by she and they. And then I realized that actually they felt much better for me than anything else. Um, so that's when I kind of moved into just mm. using that. Yeah, I think it's it's really important for people to kind of understand that there's a, a spectrum of it as well when you're talking about it. Because like you said, people just have a fixed kind of idea of what non-binary means. But actually, that's kind of ironic because <laughs> it's like you, you don't want to be fixed yeah. into anything if, if I'm right correct with that yeah yeah yeah. so as well as obviously talking about non-binary like you're very open with talking about anxiety online in your content like how did that play into your coming out journey oh um I I think I've just always been such an anxious person that to hide that I've I've always had anxiety I, I don't know a life without it um so I think to have be out in the open about this one very key part of myself, which was my gender identity. It would be so wrong to not be open about the other parts of myself, including like including my mental illness. Um, because at a certain point, it just became that I had to address the elephant in the room, which was like I, you know, I felt better once I just said it um, and been like, this is this is why I am the way I am, or not necessarily why, but it's such a it's just such a huge part of my life. I could not mm. share it. Absolutely. And when you say that you suffer with anxiety, like where does that show up for you? Like, is it a certain area? Like, do you suffer with like social anxiety? Is it, you know, is there a certain, is it generalized? Like if you don't mind talking about it? (laughs) Oh, I'm always so happy to talk about it because I didn't know, I didn't know that anxiety was a thing. I like, until I was in my teens when I'd actually been diagnosed with, with, kind of mental illness um I I didn't really know anything about mental illness I kind of knew the word but I, I didn't know anything further than that and I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing so that's why I'm always very open about it because if there's the off chance that you know there's some like teenager scrolling through Instagram and they're experiencing these feelings and they don't know what they are and then they find a word for it and they can get help. Yeah, so I, I think I got kind of a long list of different types, to be honest. Um, definitely social anxiety. I used to really struggle with kind of picking up the phone and speaking to strangers in public um, and also generalised anxiety about the state of the world. But I always just thought I was really highly strung and just cared too much about what other people thought, which is true. <laughs> um, but no, it turns out it was also a medical condition that needed managing. Um but yeah, no, so, social anxiety is the way that it really affects my life at the moment, um, it, especially since the pandemic. It's That was a, a real rough time to, uh, well, I mean, it was a rough time for everybody, but I think to have to re-emerge into society after so long of being in my bubble of safety, I am still kind of dealing with the ramifications of my anxiety. Yeah. Kind of it's festering. I think the pandemic, like for people who suffered with mental health conditions, and I think especially queer people as well, because there's that, you know, that added kind of, especially if you're like in this point of kind of figuring out who you are mixed in with like, you know, anxiety and depression, all sorts of things. The pandemic just really exasperated pre-existing stuff, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I felt like I'd gone through this whole transformation of, you know, I kind of went into the pandemic as like, you know, a quite normal looking bisexual woman. And I emerged like this, this feral thing. Um, And then I also had to kind of go through the anxiety of seeing my friends for the first time and being like, are they going to accept me asking them to use different pronouns? Are they going to accept? I I, like everyone else, I shaved my head and I was like, are they going to, you know, think I've gone mad? I mean, I was already mad, but are they going to you know, are they going to think I've had some kind of breakdown and not want to associate with me anymore? Um, so that, I mean, obviously I know a lot of that was me worst case scenario thinking because that is a side effect of symptom of anxiety. Um, but it didn't make it feel... Because, because as well, like everybody sort of had a bit of a breakdown <laughs> yeah, every to, day. in their own, in their own <laughs> yes. way during the pandemic, like multiple times. I know. Did you see those memes of like, them say, the, I think the government said, it was probably the government, I'm not sure, but um, they said in the news about how there were no long lasting ill effects on people's mental health. And then people were just <laughs> posting <laughs> pictures of like, I mean, a vegetable family. <laughs> <laughs> What what was like the the most like peak lockdown thing that you did? I, I 
I don't know if I can share. Um, (laughs) I I think I really played into every kind of mad stereotype that everybody went through. Um, God, I was also living on my own as well. So I was like even more bonkers. Oh, that's doubly. Yeah. Did you make a sourdough? Did you do the sourdough? No, I did. What did I cook? No, I think I just got Deliveroo all the time. Um, What did I do? Definitely spoke to myself a lot. Um, <laughs> I overshared on the internet. That's I actually kind of worked quite well because I, I ended up oversharing so much on the internet because there were no people around me. And my I was in Scotland because I was at uni there and my family live in Devon. So I was so far away from everybody I knew um, that I just started using the internet kind of as a diary. Um, and then I am now here because I was a waiter before that. <laughs> <laughs> wow you know that's like a it's a positive like lockdown story like I I just did illustrations like I just decided that my thing was like I'm just gonna start um you know doing terrible terrible drawings that I think I did like two of them and then I gave up and I was like I there's really a reason enjoyed... why I don't do that <laughs> oh, I think everyone got really crafty though didn't they I felt like yeah, everyone yeah because I, I was, was like, I'm going to gonna buy yeah. some pens. I don't need them, but let's buy like 10 packs of like felt tips. Stockpiling pens for the yeah. apocalypse. No, it was weird though, because I think, so everyone was on furlough, but I still had to do uni work. And I was also, um, my, my job at the time was in, a, in hospitality and it was kind of classified as an essential service because they did delivery. So I was still going to work and like with no customers just behind a screen um and then having to do my uni work and I could see all everyone at home kind of doing all of this like weird projects like knitting you know huge blankets and doing bizarre stuff that they'd always wanted to do and I was like oh wish I could do that (laughs) I feel like it was good like for those people who were like you know oh actually like now I'll take the time and I'll build like you know a vegetable patch in my garden and I'll do all of these things but like I do yeah I, I mean I was just in a in a flat with no garden. Yeah. Trapped. My uncle built a pub in his garden. He, well, he, he built, built a pub. <laughs> he built a pub. It's still there. And it works. It's got proper kind of like things. It's got the spirits on the wall. It's got a little bar. I know it's great. It's got like old um, kind of Pac-Man machines in. That's incredible. That's like really, that's an industrious way to spend your lockdown is to like build, build a pub. <laughs> Yeah, literally yeah apparently they love it so <laughs> that's incredible wow um so coming out of the pandemic then like how are you finding like are, are you dating at the moment like are you are you <laughs> I feel like there's a little laugh there is that a story with that uh, <laughs> um am I dating at the moment good question I <laughs> I don't usually share about my kind of romantic life online, but I feel like enough time has passed between all of my dating experiences that it's fine. Um, So I have kind of just, I was in a very long-term relationship um, during uni and then afterwards, and that kind of ended very badly and sadly. And then I ended up in a kind of rebound that went on far too long. So I've actually just been really enjoying being single um, since kind of the beginning of the year for the first time in maybe like, 10 years or something ridiculous um I'm a chronic relationshipper so I have been oh I'm terrible my my friends take the mick out of me so much for it because I'll go on one date with someone and then end up in a relationship with them for the next you know year (laughs) I'm the worst (laughs) that's so funny so you're enjoying then your single life like have you been you know finding out a bit more about yourself like you've been doing things that you've you've wanted to do maybe like that you didn't do when you were in a relationship I do you know what I have I think I I always kind of I think so many of us have this same feeling of like oh I can't do these things because I should be doing it with someone like I should I can't go to an art gallery on my own because that's weird and I think especially as someone with such severe social anxiety I'm always like oh my god people think I'm really weird and people are looking at me doing this thing and if I'm not with someone then all of the attention is on me. But I've kind of been pushing myself out of my comfort zone and just, you know, if I'm like, oh, I want to go and do this thing today, I don't have to wait for anybody to get ready or, you know, make plans with someone else to make it happen. I can just go. It's amazing. I can't believe it's taken me this long to figure it out. (laughs) You know what that is? B, hold on to that because genuinely it takes me about two hours to leave the house with Charlie because (laughs) she does not like, she's just so bad. Like There's always one. Yeah, there's like she has a problem where I, I think that she's got ADHD, to be fair. So she's got like 
we call it like time blindness time blindness yeah yeah so she's like oh I've got time you know and it'll be like five minutes to go there's been you know times where we have like literally ran through central London to try and get like a breakfast you know reservation because it's gonna like disappear she's like no it's absolutely fine she's like actually shit you know we have to be there in two minutes and it's like an hour away Um, so I totally like it's it's a really unique and I always say this to people when they kind of break up, it's like that, you know, obviously it's incredibly sad and it, you know, it's, it's very life changing, but you know, there, there is a a certain freedom that comes with being single that you only get to experience when you're single and you have no responsibility really to answer to anybody else. And you can just build up your own sort of confidence levels yourself and, and continue to grow. Yeah, it, it's bizarre because I, I was thinking about it. I think I was talking to a friend about it the other day and I was like, this is the longest I've been single literally since I was maybe 15 years old because I would just exit one relationship and immediately, like, I, I just couldn't be on my own. Um, and I had to very consciously make a decision to be like, do you know what? I'm just, I'm not even going to go on any dates because I know I know what I do. As soon as I've gone on a date, we're in a relationship. So it's just, I, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Um, but yeah, I think I'm such a such a sucker for routine and comfort and familiarity and I was always kind of searching for that in other people um and I was like do you know what what is actually stopping me from making it myself but now I'm scared that I've made such a lovely little life for myself on my own that no one's ever going to be allowed in <laughs> you made your own routine you're like I actually quite like this I'm just oh, gonna go with best. this now <laughs> yeah so when you're talking about like your anxiety and stuff like if you are going on a date um you know, how, how does that show up for you? And like, how do you manage those feelings of anxiety? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I find, especially first dates, I, they're probably the most excruciating, nerve wracking experience for me, especially I think dating as a queer person as well. I, I, for me, it kind of shows up as just being so preoccupied with what I think the other person wants me to be like that I forget to actually ask myself if I like what the other person is like. Does that make sense? I feel like that was a really convoluted way of saying it, but I, I think I just, I kind of force myself to be what I think they want me to be and forget to actually express my, like who I am. I just kind of become a mirror or like a chameleon to whatever they want. Um, Cause I'm so scared that they won't like me. And I'm like, I have to remind myself, no, that's why we're going on the date to see if we like each other before we go on another one. They don't have to. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just a chronic people pleaser. Like they don't actually, if if somebody doesn't like me, I'm not going to die. I think I have to tell myself that a lot. Um, and I think also kind of the stress of meeting someone new is never good for me. I never, I never enjoy that, but I have to remind myself that it's it's worth it if I actually really like this person. And even if they're just a friend in the future, like it's always worth it to, to meet someone new and kind of broaden your horizons. Um, I think also like going to a place I haven't been before is something that I sometimes really stress out about, especially if it's, you know, if, if my environment is new, if my if the person I'm meeting is someone new, it's, it's kind of very overwhelming. So I always try and go somewhere that I have at least been once before. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, do you, it is. Do you choose like where to go or do you let the other person choose? Uh, it kind of depends. I think sometimes I'll try and steer it in the right direction. I'm like, oh, that place is nice. But have you heard of this place? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Love your suggestions. <laughs> yeah. But let's do mine. <laughs> I know. It means I don't have to get a tube. Um, but no, it's, it's something I'm working on, but I, I'm getting better at it. I think just, yeah, being an anxious person and being a people pleaser is not a winning combination for trying to kind of date in a really healthy and I think I was going for validation and wanting people to like me rather than being like, do I actually want someone in my life right now? And is this person the right person to do that? I think like a lot of people must feel like that though, like in terms of when you go on a date it's almost like going on a like a job interview or something like you're meeting somebody but people forget that like you know a job interview is two ways even though it doesn't feel like it like they're asking you and saying are you a good fit for the company <laughs> I don't know what this where yeah, this analogy is exactly. going no, but, but do you know what it's so true I, I always remind myself I'm like it's an in, like it is just a very weird casual interview to see if you are someone that I want in my life and that I that you want me in your life um but yeah, I think I also, something I get so anxious about is um, any kind of lull in conversation I, I take as a personal failure on my part. 
And I'm like, oh no, it's ruined. The date is over. It's terrible. You know, we, we sat in silence for maybe 15 seconds and they're going to think I'm really weird and boring. Yeah, but, but the other uh, yeah. person might be anxious as well, right? The other person might be feeling exactly. the same, same as you. I've, I've definitely had those dates. I've like, I'm, oh, 100%. oh God, I remember going on one day and I, I did really like this person and I'm not, I would say like, I, I probably am more anxious after the pandemic like we, what we were just talking about. But before the pandemic, I, I wasn't so much, you know, anxious. I was like dating quite frequently. So I was kind of in the flow of things, but I really liked this person. I was like, oh God, my mind's gone blank. I don't have anything to say. And like her mind must've gone blank as well. So we we're just sitting in this basement bar, like, you know, the awkward, like stirring the ice cubes with the straw and it's like no. clinking and it's like <laughs> blink blink and I was like mm. and then in the end I was oh. like I have to go to the toilet I'm really sorry and then in the toilet I like manically it was so it was so tragic I was like questions to ask on a date oh <laughs> and, please and I, it's not tragic uh, I've, I've been there <laughs> I literally came back and I was like so do you um have any siblings then and do you like them I don't know why I asked that do you like your siblings and she was like uh, I think it's always a good it's always a good question it was but like it's so great to unearth the family drama you've got to do that early <laughs> know what you're getting yourself in for no I it's giving me secondhand embarrassment <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like actually making me go but like oh, oh I mean it's definitely not like the worst date I mean that was actually quite good I've been on dates before where it's actually been like complete silence I don't know if you like I did a TikTok ages ago and I went on a date with somebody who was obsessed with Cher like the singer and every single answer to a question I was like so what do you enjoy doing and she was like I like seeing Cher and I was like wow that's that's super unique like that's that's a, that's oh, a niche there's only so many ways you can say cool yeah but then I was like so do you like cooking she's like not really, um, but I do like share. Like everything came back to share. Oh my gosh! I know that is yeah yeah that is. I've never been on one quite like that. I have been on so I went on a couple fairly recently um, that were not hugely successful, but it was fine. Um, but no, definitely definitely some entertaining. Yeah, I've had to, I've had some shockers of dates, but they're more like, you know, when you're telling a f- what you think is a funny story and then you finish it and people are like, oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were that kind of, <laughs> that kind of date. Um, and then yeah, recent ones, just realizing like I would always agree to go on a second date and then I'd speak to my flatmate or my friends about it. And they would be like, do you actually like this person? Or did you just have a nice time because you had a drink and you were outside and like, you know, socialising? I was like, yeah, I, I don't think I actually had a nice time because of the person. I think it was just because I was out, you know. Just had a great mojito. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. I just had a really nice gin and tonic and I didn't have to pay for it. So I'm happy. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So like when you're, you know, dating or like if, when you will, you know, in the future do that again um do you how do you broach the topic of being non-binary like do you would you put that in a dating profile would you like sort of say it when you're chatting to someone like how do you kind of introduce that um yeah it's kind of it's quite a weird thing because I so I came out as non-binary when I was in a relationship previously so that kind of negated that whole like that was not even an issue um and then it's a weird one because I, I find that just having it in my dating profile if I, you know, I'm on apps or whatever, just it's kind of like a, a bullshit filter or just a, a filter for people that are not going to engage with me. Sometimes they slip through the net. Sometimes they seem on board with it and then they're actually really not good. Um, but generally speaking, I I make it quite obvious. I'm quite upfront about it just because I don't want to spend an hour on a like Friday night convincing someone that they should refer to me by what I would like to be referred to. Really? Does that happen? Like you've got awkward conversations where people don't want to like, like believe it or something. (laughs) Really? Uh, (laughs) I I was in an unfortunate relationship where they appeared to, this is my most recent one, who I'm airing on my dirty laundry. (laughs) It happens. Oh, it's long overdue. Um, No, I I was in a, my most recent relationship was with someone who seemed very, on board with the whole non-binary thing um and it later transpired that they were not (laughs) um and they were not very pleasant about it so yeah yeah it was like objectively speaking awful at the time I was like "Ah, 
whatever, you know, it'll, it'll figure itself out. Um, yeah, it was not a good time. Whenever I would kind of assert that I was a woman, you know, previously, and I'd be like, yeah, she, her, this is me. I was always told that I was too masculine or I was a bit weird or, you know, I, I wasn't very girly. It was always, you're not like other girls, right. you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then I would kind of realised, I was like, oh, maybe it's because I'm not really aligned with girlhood or womanhood. Um, and then as soon as you kind of say, oh, actually, I'm non-binary, people are like, no, you're a woman or no, you're this or this. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think I just gave up caring what other people think. <laughs> um, but no, I, I tried to be upfront about my identity because I just don't have the energy to yeah to absolutely <laughs> and also like that's intrinsically a part of you you know if like somebody can't accept that and someone can't you know see you for how you want to identify you know it's it's not it's not a positive thing you know if we're being honest about it it's like yeah you know I always say you know it's not the same thing but it's like if you've got any sort of identifier of, of who you are like you know, I said to Charlie, like when we started dating, like I was so nervous about it and I, I shouldn't have been, but like I have a bowel disease and I do talk about it quite a lot and I'm very open about it now. But at the time I was really nervous and I thought that I would be judged for it. And in previous situations, like I've always wanted to kind of avoid it or it's like, you know, oh, you've, you've not got that. You've just got IBS. Like somebody doesn't really like want to really, you know, get into the nitty gritty of like why I want to be upfront about talking about it. But I said to her, I was like, look, I have, I have this, it's really embarrassing. You know, I'm probably going to shit myself on multiple dates. And if we have a bit of alcohol, probably going to shit myself again. And she was just like, okay, like that's you. And like, I get it. And it's not exactly the same thing, but it's like, you know, if somebody validates you and just says, okay, it's not even an issue. Exactly. You know, no, it, makes... it just is what it is. I think it's, yeah. I mean, obviously it is different, but I, I really think that's a great comparison because it's like, if you don't want someone who will accept this part of you that you might not see as necessarily desirable or, you know, you might see that carries some stigma or like preconceptions, like why, why would you want to date them? Why, why would you want to be with someone who, who doesn't appreciate that part of you? Um, yeah. So it's, I, yeah, a good, a good filter for, you know, people that I'm just not interested in is uh, definitely just being really up. I'm like, this is my situation. Do with it what you will. <laughs> I yeah. think it's my approach exactly. these days. I think before I used to, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to try and be like a really perfect kind of person that never had any issues or did anything wrong. And, you know, obviously after a while, the cracks start to show because nobody's a perfect person all of the time. Um, so, yeah, now my approach is like, these are my, these are my problems. <laughs> um, yeah. This is what you're dealing with. If, yeah, if exactly. you're interested, go for it. If you're, if you're not, I don't <laughs> mind. <laughs> Sign here if you're open to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like obviously doing content and stuff then, I guess that's an approach that you take as well. Like you just want to be kind of transparent and honest online. Like why why do you think it's important to you that, that you are, you know, I guess like real when you put yourself out there? See, I think that's so interesting because I, I guess it seems like I'm being very honest and real all of the time. But actually, people only see this one very small slice of my life that I share. And yeah, I am quite upfront about the topics I cover. Um, just because I think, you know, I feel like if, if I if social media had worked in the same way as it does now, when I was going through my mental health issues, I think I would, I mean, even now, I still find myself comparing myself to people online. I think we all do and be like, oh my gosh, why isn't my life like this, doing this and this and this. And I think it's important to kind of show that there is balance, especially, you know, being someone who like lives with mental illness and, you know, who is queer and all of this and has had, you know, issues in the past with depression and anxiety. I've had all of that, but my life is still very joyful. But just because it's joyful now doesn't mean it's always like that. I think it's important to just have kind of realistic expectations, for, especially if you have quite a kind of young audience, which I think... I feel like my audience is kind of maybe teenagers and Gen Z um, and a kind of few older mid-twenties people. But I say older, like I'm not that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, careful. Um, careful, I'm turning oh, 30 I know. next month. Oh. <laughs> oh, didn't refer I know. to as old. <laughs> I, I don't mean that. 
a few millennials, you know. Um, yeah, they slip through the cracks. Yeah, God. The dirty no, millennials slipping through. Oh, God. Can't get rid of them for love nor money. Um, no, I think, I think I have quite a young audience, definitely younger than me. Um, and I think there is a kind of inherent responsibility to, to not paint life as sunshine and rainbows all of the time, as much as I would love if it was like that. I think it's... I, I, I never want to intentionally mislead people and be like, oh, yeah, I had all of this bad stuff happen in my life and now I'm cured. Everything's amazing. Life is great and nothing ever goes wrong. I think it's important to kind of take a holistic approach. Um, but then it is something I also really struggle with because I'm like, how much do I share? And at what point is it just me kind of like bitching about my life and being like these are my problems this is my dirty laundry I'm airing it on the internet like at what point is it kind of woe is me and I guess a question I always ask myself or not always but I try to always ask myself before I put out any kind of content am I sharing this because I want something from people or am I sharing this because I think it can give something to people um and usually if it's because I want something like sympathy or validation or like I don't know, just I need some reassurance, then I kind of hold off from sharing it until I feel like it's something that I'm giving to people instead, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. I think that's a really good question as well uh, to ask yourself, because I think like if you are listening to this and you are in the content world, like you'll kind of understand like the process that you have to go through as a creator to, you know, what, like choose what you share and don't share. Um, but if you're not like you know, just know that like it is curated to a certain degree, but it, you you are having questions with yourself and conversations. Like I was listening to, I think it was like Florence Gibbons podcast recently. And I think she said that um, something, it was a question about like, how much do you share? And she said, like, I ask myself the question, like, would I be comfortable if somebody repeated this back to me in the street? like to me and, and, and saying that. And I had that situation just recently. Um, it wasn't bad at all. Like I, you know, I'm, I was totally happy to share it, but I think for me, it's when people say, Oh, did you have a nice time in, you know, like so-and-so like Montenegro or whatever. And I'm like, Oh God, I forgot I went on that holiday. Oh, and I shared it. And it's almost like, you know, it's like a friend saying to you like, Oh, did you have a nice time? And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, no, I did go there and I did share it. And so that's the question that I ask myself now. Like, would I be comfortable if somebody that I didn't know came up to me and had a conversation with me about this? Oh, 100%. Yeah, parasocial relationships, I find so interesting because it, it was never something I was really aware of until it kind of, it kind of started happening. Um, but no, that is actually such a good question to ask. And I, I think I asked myself a similar one, which is because um, my mum recently got Instagram before that, everything was unchecked, unwatched. Um, but now now my mum's joined Instagram and she watches every single story I put up and like, oh, com same, not comments, same. but she like, yeah, obsessively watches every post. Thanks mum for the engagement. Um, <laughs> but I, I ask myself, how would I feel about my mum bringing this up at family dinner when I next, or like calling me up and being like, oh, I saw this thing that you posted. What's that about? Because um, it, it's not outside the realms of possibility that she would do that. Um, so I'm like, if I don't want my mum talking to me about it and maybe telling my granny, I'm probably not going to put it on the internet. But I, yeah, I definitely have a, a kind of time limit of things happening. So like, if I'm going through a difficult situation, like in the present time, I usually don't share anything about it until maybe after I've processed and healed and I'm not kind of posting out of pain and hurt I'm more posting out of like oh, okay I want to share this experience because someone else who is maybe going through that might see it and feel like they're not the only person in the world that's had this weird thing happen to them um yeah yeah I think that's really important like I have that rule with myself as well like I won't post about something unless I've like fully healed from it and I can kind of objectively um see it from a different perspective than like being in it exactly um but it, yeah, it, it's funny, yeah it's funny what you're saying about like your mum like I uh <laughs> I posted this reel recently I like was doing something for a brand and it was like um it was like a sex education platform I don't know if you've heard about them they're, they're called like Beducated so yes I have I think I might have seen that reel actually yeah, I yeah. can't remember it was like <laughs> yeah, it was like five ways to like lick it like a pro or something like oh my god I have seen that <laughs> No, see, my mum would, no, 
She was, my mum was the first person to bloody like the video. And then I was like, why? Why are you liking this? Like, this is not content Ooh. for you. But she's just like, ally. Oh, you know, ally. Like, oh yeah, great. Lovely. Love that. Love my daughter. Do that. And she'll talk to oh, me about it. great though. She'll be like, oh yeah, I saw that reel that you did. And I was like, oh, um, great. Did you take anything away from it? And she was like, not really. It wasn't for me. But, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> <laughs> oh bless her yes thankfully i have not had that experience with my mum yet but i'm sure it's only a matter of time i feel like you just nice you just do it once and then it's just like then it's like oh okay but she's almost like she's a bit like my manager it's i call her like my mummager. she's quite funny Aww. like yeah she'll like call me up and then she'll be like i've um noticed that you're doing a lot of like content about sex recently um and i'm just wondering if that has any impact on you being a family friendly person you know in terms of whether people will work with you and i'm like oh i'm like she's your pr yeah she's like, she's like trying to like spin all the stories i'm like no it's all right like you know it's like it's all you know done in a in a family friendly way and she's like oh okay well that's good i just you know it's just something i was thinking as i was scrolling along um, oh, very her. involved so yeah if, if anybody out there is wanting a social media audit or um you know some sort of advice about what content they need to post then sue is available uh so yeah hit her up if, if you want it so funny um what are your plans then what are your next plans with like your artwork and what you're doing um with that like have you got anything exciting coming up oh my gosh I it's a weird time of I don't know if everyone has the same thing but I feel like it's kind of a weird time of year at the moment um because it's summer so everyone's away everyone's on holiday everyone no no one's emailing about anything which is lovely um because I find that the rest of my year is usually pretty busy um but I am going to be planning the next installment of Hysterical with my kind of colleague slash friend slash co-founder Eliza Hatch um so that usually happens in Women's History Month in March every year and it takes us ages to plan honestly the most stressful thing ever um to to organize because we kind of went into it the first year we never met before we just kind of like should we do this thing um neither of us had ever had any kind of event planning experience or done anything like this ever and we're like yeah it'll be easy it's just sticking pictures up on the walls it'll be fine um <laughs> bit of blue tack and then it was yeah literally i was like we just blue tack it's fine sellotape so what how hard can it be i think i actually said the words how hard can it be oh, um, no. and that was yeah i know and that was three years ago and it was literally the most stressful soul-crushing experience of my life um but we loved it so we did it again this year and then on the night of the private view i had food poisoning and a breakup and oh, it was just all in the same like four hour period it was awful oh <laughs> but it was amazing so we're doing it again this year oh, fingers crossed that doesn't happen again every... yeah well do you know what third time lucky oh, touch wood we'll see um so yeah that the planning stages are going to be starting really soon um that's kind of it for my plans so far but i'm hoping just to keep keep making my art keep doing my thing um and see what happens i have a question for you which is a bit rogue but i've just thought about Please, it always rogue i love um, rogue questions so i was like watching your videos about your tattoos and how all of your tattoos are symmetrical right so like number one like first question is like why are they symmetrical <laughs> honestly i don't know i i never meant it was it was never a plan um i think so my first tattoo ever was like i've got this big chess piece um which, why did I get that as a first tattoo? i weird kid. I don't know why I did it. Um, anyway, I got this huge flower chess piece that was like right across the center. And then I got my, I have bees on my knees, which I thought was the funniest thing ever. And now I have a complicated relationship with my knees because um, they're the bees knees. Uh, they were just to cover up a, <laughs> I know. I was 18. I thought it was so cool. I mean, I, I, I still like think it's cool. <laughs> I objectively think it's cool, but now if I ever wear shorts, I will get stopped and I will get asked about them. And then people will be like, Bee's knees, I get it. And I'll be like, but also my name is Bee. And they're like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> did you did you already have the name Bee and then you got the tattoos or did you change your name to match the tattoos? And I was like, it was already my name. <laughs> um, isn't that wild? Uh, so yeah, and then I had my knees um, and then... I just kind of was like, well, all of the tattoos I have so far are symmetrical and it felt wrong to not keep doing it. And then my collection kind of grew and now I'm symmetrical 
everywhere except for one um which is a very sentimental tattoo it's a little cheese plant leaf on the back of my arm and i always meant to get the other one but i never did but it's an um remembrance of a family member that passed away but everything else is symmetrical um but yeah i always feel unbalanced if i don't have them both matching <laughs> have you got any of your own artwork tattooed on you I uh, I have never told the internet this, but I have one and it does not see the light of day because I hate it so much. Oh no. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, it was like a design I did when I was um, maybe like eight years old and I always knew that I wanted to get it as a tattoo. And then I went to the first place that would take me with no ID um, because I was underage and it was obviously a horrible tattoo. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Um, one day I'll get it fixed but yeah I'll I'll never ever get any of my own art tattooed Um, I think just because I look so much more kindly at other people's art whereas mine I'm like oh I could have done that better so I don't really want to make it permanent on my skin (laughs) right I see that's really interesting because I was thinking like your designs are so gorgeous like I I don't know like I would probably if they were mine like have them all over me but I totally can I can see now like I'm a perfectionist and I feel like I would be like, oh, maybe I should just change that. And I feel like you can't change it if it's somebody else's design. No, exactly. But I feel like, yeah, but you're always so much kinder about other people's stuff. But I feel like even now, if I look back at like either illustrations or like, you know, content that I've put out from a year ago, I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? It's terrible. Oh, my God. Um, But I see other people's stuff and I'm like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. I wish I'd thought of that. So I kind of have the same mentality with my tattoos. Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have like one on my um, rib cage and I sort of half designed it myself and then like passed it over to the tattoo artist. But um, I, I totally actually now understand what you're saying because sometimes I look at it and I'm like, oh, I wish I'd drawn like the stem of the rose a little bit different. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have said that if it was someone else's design. Exactly. Even if it looked, even if the design looked exactly the same, but I had done it, I'd be like, no, can't, can't deal with it. <laughs> um, yeah, it is weird, isn't yeah. it? But so if people want to find out a bit more about you, Ben, and check out your artwork, check out what you're doing, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on all social media platforms, pretty much most of them anyway, um, as at B illustrates B E E I L L U S T R A T E S. I hope I spelled that right. Um, or you can look at my portfolio on just Google B illustrates and I'll appear. Yeah. <laughs> or you can up. also check out, um, hysterical collective on Instagram. And that is lots of information about the art exhibition that I put on every year. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I'm super keen for that now. So hundred percent. Oh, come next year. Hopefully I won't have food poisoning and my life won't be falling apart at the private view. Yeah. <laughs> we'll invite you. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, B. Thanks for joining us on Girlfriend oh, Material. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Girlfriend Material. You might be sad that the podcast is over for this week. I know I am. But I'll be back at the same time next week with another juicy guest just for your ears. In the meantime, though, if you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think might also enjoy listening. Sharing is caring, guys. Girlfriend Material is hosted by myself at Rosie Turner Daily. So go ahead and follow me on Instagram and TikTok for more content with support for my lovely babes, Essie and Clara, just for you. We love you and we'll see you soon.